0: Welcome to the Age podcast. In today's episode, we talk to JJ Caffey, an MBA graduate from the Wharton
1: School of Business, tech entrepreneur and community builder. JJ is based in Silicon Valley in San Francisco and is the founder and CEO of OrderIn, a digital platform for leaders of remote work. She specializes on the topics of productivity and well-being, and has a strong background in company culture. Our podcast host today is Crystal Rin, head of product marketing at HR Locker, and she asked JJ about the issues of managing remote teams and how creating the right company culture can help build excellent work-from-home policies.
0: JJ, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, your interest in remote working, and
1: how you came up with the idea of ordering? Hi, Crystal. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having me. I think that first and foremost I have been interested in entrepreneurship for a long time. It's been a bit of a bit of a path for me certainly. I think the most exciting leap I took into the type of work I'm doing now was when I was the first employee of a startup software company and I was with them as they grew from, you know, pre-seed and really bootstrapping just me and the founders through their series A. Uh, from there, I went to Wharton, as you knew, and then from there, you know, I've been looking to solve this problem that I myself have experienced quite frequently um, over over the kind of entrepreneurial work that I've done in the past year, and then even prior to that, um, I was working out of a lot of co-working spaces, incubators, accelerators, really kind of informal um, office environments where we often worked remote for part of the week for some of the time or otherwise in these really these less formal offices. So I always kind of had my eye out on what could have been improved about those environments for people like me. And then particularly after I graduated and I was working from home myself most of the time completely alone usually Crystal, honestly, I was working cross-legged on my couch in, like, the same little spot (laughs) (laughs) on my couch most of the time. Um, I started thinking about, not just from all the data we amassed, but from my own experience as well, kind of the biggest issues facing people who are either working with team members who are far flung across the world or even just a a very common experience I had in the startup world of team members who I might see once a week, uh, every, every couple weeks and thinking about, okay, how do we keep our connections alive with these, with these other people and how do we make life a little bit less, um, I guess, you know, unstructured and, and strange of just sitting on my couch all day wandering to the fridge sometimes and, and never seeing another human face. So, um, I actually started this company hoping that it would become an office space company uh, with physical locations and then we started pivoting to digital around the beginning of the year and, of course, when COVID-19 struck, it really changed everything for us in terms of, okay, How can we take the problems we were already looking to solve and address them purely remotely and purely digitally? And I think I've been very fortunate that people have been connecting with what we've been building um, and that we've had a chance to learn so much. So I'm hoping it'll be useful to your
0: (laughs) (laughs) your listeners. I think, you know, we think we're, we've, we've gone to the, the second half of, of the beginning if that makes sense In that I hope people so. were yeah people people were sent home a couple of months ago mm. and all this remote working started and people had no idea what they were supposed to do and companies kind of hustled together a couple of policies and a couple of work from home policies which you know they they kind of was like a sticky tape to get them through this time and um, certainly here we, we, we don't at the end is not in sight in terms of remote working it's certainly going to be continuing for the next few months and and even i, I do think that that for most companies who never had remote working um it is going to stay with them and that some people are going to continue doing two or three days from home if it's not full-time remote working um so i mean what do you think would be you know through your, your time working either as a remote worker yourself but also working with companies who are implementing remote working What do you think are the biggest challenges that companies face um, when trying to put in policies in place for
1: remote workers? Absolutely. So I think there are two really serious pain points that drove me to start ordering. And these pain points are more on the sides of the individuals experiencing remote work. But I promise I'll draw it back to the challenges (laughs) with company policies as well, (laughs) because I think it forms the core of the challenge here. Um, The first one is burnout is feeling this kind of sense of overwhelm and lack of structure in your day and i'm sure you can immediately think of okay here are the implications for managers and for companies trying to put these policies in place it's this discomfort that we all feel. Um, I know I feel it even though I I manage myself. And then sometimes with my own team, we've got, we're a small company, but we have, you know, six, eight people depending on at the moment. And um, this discomfort that you feel of not being in the same room with the people you're managing in terms of not knowing how how they should be using their time how they are using their time what are they doing all day and i know that there's a worry on the managerial side about that Um, and from the employee side as well of of managing your time and we've seen the workday get much longer i have different sources here but it looks like an average of 10 to 15 percent longer in the workday maybe two to three hours longer um, depending on what you read so that's really the one one of the two big pain points that I see is this kind of lack of structure um, that leads to people working longer hours, not achieving more during those longer hours, but just feeling very stressed and feeling burned out. And then the second one is, it seems maybe emotional or or touchy-feely, but it has huge business implications. And it's just, a little bit of of disconnectedness, loneliness, social isolation, um, the the beautiful moments that we get to share with our colleagues that I think we all took for granted when we weren't remote of just getting to make eye contact with someone in a funny moment, you know, and laugh. Yeah, definitely. Um, just have a coffee a with somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I can have a Zoom coffee with you. It takes some doing, right? But we could do it. But when I'm in a call with you know six of my employees, I I don't know who I'm making eye contact with at any moment in that conversation. So it's these little things that we lose. And then of course, just for people being stuck in the house, you know, um, they, they lose so much of that feeling of of being out in the world and having small interactions with people or forming deeper relationships. And I think that that's a huge challenge to to organizations in building culture as well. And we've been working on that a lot at Order In. Um, we built a membership club, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, for people to come together and, and form these deeper bonds and it's very exciting. We're looking at how we can uh start to scale that and offer it to enterprises as well to help address these issues. But I think those are the big two. It's it's that so burnout too, yeah. and the loneliness.
0: Yeah. I I think definitely I can even see it. It went the, the kind of the first couple of weeks that we were at home a hundred percent. You kinda of tend to work all day because you're you're not sure, you know, have you actually you're not sitting at your desk from nine to half, five. So, so I definitely think that that's something um, employers need to be aware of that, that just because does people are talking in the hours, too? well, it does. <laughs> but I'll tell you the couple yeah. of things that I, I learned is, is that, that you have to put a structure in your day, even Absolutely. if you're not going to the office. So that's a self-discipline that either as a company, they need to teach you how to do, or you need to embrace that yourself if you're going to continue remote working, because it's just, it's just not healthy. Otherwise, you
1: know, it's <laughs> like, true. <laughs> It can be tough. The best advice I got about it was as a founder before I was ever working remotely and long before COVID. It was actually when I was a employee of a different startup, even before the one I mentioned. And I did work from home sometimes. And it was the advice to founders to have a quitting time. You know, this is your time at the end of the day, you have to be done, you have to close your computer. And I think that it, regardless of whether you're managing a team or you're on a team or you're an entrepreneur yourself, you're just, you're already at your house. You know, you have your laptop open. It would be so easy to do one more thing, two more things. And for me, my my biggest challenge is actually closing the computer, yeah. shutting the door and walking away. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that, that
1: for me as well. And
0: like I, I would say that what I try to do is is bring it. Now I have a dedicated office, and that I close the door. I do too. It <laughs> took
1: it took some doing. We just moved in here a couple of weeks ago, and now yeah. I can close the door. It's amazing, but we do yeah. have to be aware. My own team, for instance, um, we're largely Gen Z, and mm-hmm. people live at home with their families. Uh, or they may be in smaller apartments. Not everyone has the luxury of dedicating a room of where they're living and, mm-hmm. and shutting that door. So I have to try to, to keep that awareness of other ways of helping them out with the structure yes. of their days.
0: We've always had remote workers, you
1: know, pre-COVID. <laughs> Who knows what that was like
0: but we we've always had remote workers and so we've always had that that kind of element um involved in all the teams that we have that somebody would always usually be remote working um and one of the things that that we found important that we found was really important is that you have to have a strong company culture to be able to facilitate that that work that working from home and and i think for us the kind of key element was the we have a one of our core competencies is trust and truth in that just because you're working from home and I don't see you, I, I know you're doing a good job. I don't actually have to see you. Because <laughs> I do think that that would be one of the main, and I don't know, do you agree, one of the main obstacles for companies is that they're like, well, I don't know what that person's doing at home and I want them to be in the office. So do you think company culture, do you think you have to have a certain type, type, of, type of company culture or um, you know, what do you think is from a company perspective in terms of culture is most important that remote working is going to succeed? Was a really roundabout question.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, of course I understand. Uh, I could not agree more strongly with your take, and and the research, the data has played this out even since articles I found from 2018 when we were researching this. Uh, so I think that you've you've really hit it on the head. I love your hashtag. Actually, I saw that okay. work. You know that work is not a place. <laughs> work is is an activity. Yeah. um And the order in. It's it's a bit of an aside, but our roadmap includes work from anywhere, yes. support and work from nature down the road. It's something I believe in so strongly. And I think you hit the nail on the head that it really, it's all about trust mm-hmm. um, with with your team to build culture. And I think the other thing is, I don't know, I, I wish I had a, a easy word to encapsulate this, but I think... I mean, leadership might be it, but that sounds so cheesy. But trying to put yourself in the shoes of the people you're managing and think about how can I be of service to my team as a manager? What do they really need? And I'll give a couple of examples, Um, you know, in that culture building that we've tried to do. I'm quite proud of this, actually. I don't know if they're going to be fully honest in our own anonymous internal surveys, but with members and with our own teams, we've asked them questions like, do you feel like you have someone who's part of this, who's a friend? And people say, yes, you know, I I didn't ever meet these people until three months ago. I've never met them in person. And I consider someone on this team a friend. I have people on this team who I feel like I could reach out to for help. You know, these kind of things that I think are so important. So something, it's a little bit silly maybe, but it's it's really important to us and it's talking every day. I, I do check in with my whole team every day. I come from a tech background where we were in an agile environment. Um, I'm not sure if you guys want agile or do Scrum we or anything own, like that. Yeah, we love agile and Scrum. <laughs> we're not yeah. a software company or anything <laughs> like that, but we do have a daily stand-up and yeah. I think though, and I just, I try to think about this from a human point of view where I've always cared about being disciplined, and I used to have my reputation I was very proud of, of, you know, oh, JJ is the executive whose meetings end on time, or they end early, and (laughs) now it's a different type of discipline. It's about creating space for people to be human beings and genuinely connect, and it was a difficult transition for me to let those meetings that were typically these 15-minute stand-ups that were very on point become a little bit. Um, A little bit more vague a little bit more chatty and personal but it is our chance that everyone knows they can rely on to actually just catch up with each other and I encourage people to chit chat and tell tell each other about their weekends a little bit I think another one that can help in a similar vein and that I've seen managers struggle with is making sure that people on the teams and within the company connect to each other. I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about this and, and what you've done, because I think sometimes it can be too easy for me as a manager to have check-ins with my team members individually, or maybe a group meeting, but does person A and person B have any opportunity to talk to each other the way yeah. that they might normally just in the kitchen at the office? Yeah. And they just bump into each other and, you know, at the water cooler time, you just have right. like a cup of coffee or something,
0: you know, but there's two things I really want Like I am, um, I'm, you're the first person I've met who totally understands that Scrum is not only for tech <laughs> 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 because I uh, we, we, we have brought in the stand-up for every department that we have, so in terms of sales, mm-hmm. marketing, and even finance, because I think that, especially when you're remote working, that 15-minute meeting in the morning time to get everybody on the call um, just to just to check in, just make sure everybody's okay, <laughs> you know, that yeah. they don't have an I issue. I think it's more important you
1: know? than ever. I think anyone I think could benefit too, yeah. from that right now.
0: Yeah, and again, and, and like we said, it, you know, we're not on the phone for two hours. We're on the phone for 15 minutes and we're just making sure everybody, everything's okay. Um, so, but definitely, I think that we, we have an open door policy, which is that now, now, obviously, we don't have doors anymore. It's kind of through Microsoft Teams now, but <laughs> an open <laughs> Zoom policy. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, that, that even if new people are starting, that, that you, should, you should engage with everybody. So send a message to somebody, send a message to, even if it's, you know, um, a senior manager or or the CEO, make sure you're you know make sure you're connecting on some level because I do think you're right. Um, JJ is that it, that I have found it really important to check in with my team, you know, throughout the day, and I'm checking in with them personally. Um, but you know, presumably, I'm not the only person they want to speak to, so <laughs> so right. it is important that that you're widening the circle and that that I love that that what you said that that, um, that they have friends in the team, regardless of if they're yeah. sitting with them in the office, and yeah. you know, that's really important. Um so we, we, we've done a I, couple of things like, you know, we've done those, you know, the Zoom drinks and Zoom yoga and whatever. Um, but I actually think what's, more, what's worked the best for us is is the um, the open Zoom policy in that if you have an issue, <laughs> make sure that you, you don't have to go through me to talk to somebody else. Make sure that you're connecting with them on a one-to-one basis.
1: Absolutely. And I do it systematically. Again, it's it's almost strange for me to admit this because I've always been so disciplined about meetings and I am sensitive about not wanting to add another meeting to people's calendars if it's not necessary, especially in this context of knowing that the workday is getting longer. But when someone's starting a new project, I will ask them to have a one-on-one individually with mm-hmm. everyone else on the team. And we're a small team. Again, this is not maybe every single person, you know, if it's completely unrelated, but maybe six or seven people with these short conversations. And normally I would think that's a terrible use of everyone's time. I am i shouldn't necessarily be doing that but in their little half hour check-ins maybe it's theoretically about this new project but again they're checking in as human beings and they're fil- you know forming relationships that if i didn't tell them to go do it maybe they wouldn't maybe they would think i have so many deliverables i'm not going to go do this and so it's a bit of an excuse to get people to brainstorm with each other to make sure that they're sharing and getting the information that they need without putting the burden again on them as employees. I'm taking on the burden. If anyone's going to be annoyed um, that there's an extra meeting on their calendar, you know, it's coming from me rather than putting someone in a position where they have to go, you know, knock, knock, sorry to bother you. Can you talk to me? And trying to pave the way for that. I think you also, I wanted to just say a couple more words on what you said about trust, which I think is, is so crucial that we've seen We've seen so much evidence that the best way to manage remotely is by empowering your employees, by trusting them, by making sure that they know that you know that they want to do a good job because I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I'm gonna do a terrible job at my job today. Absolutely, exactly. I'm just gonna log on and not do anything today. Right, like (laughs) no one wants to do poorly. So I think in those rare cases when when you are having more trouble, what I've seen having spoken to so many managers and, and reviewed the data and experimented with it our own members is to say, okay, let's make sure this person understands the impact of what they're doing on the broader organization. Help them understand why it's important that we meet these goals and how important their work is and why we care. If you can't answer that for yourself, then maybe you need to think again, you know, while you're managing, mm-hmm. like, oh, does this even need to happen? <laughs> um, but I think that the worst path I see managers going down and there are just a wealth of really horrible software programs to enable this is sort of trying to monitor. We had a client to ask us for, um,
0: take a picture of an employee's screen every, yeah. every oh, couple of seconds. Yep, and I was absolutely. like, we just don't do that. <laughs> that
1: that's out there yeah. uh, things that can track on their personal uh, computers too, which I yeah. think is just an extra level of sort of inconsiderate because they're mm-hmm. at home with their personal computers now. Some some companies have given their work computers out as well, which is yeah, better, they're but that yeah. it'll take, it'll watch them through a camera, take a picture of the person to make sure they're really sitting there track yeah. everything they type or every website they visit.
0: And I think you're what, losing, you're losing straight away if you're doing that.
1: Absolutely, and yeah. the data has shown yeah. directly that people will spend more time trying to circumvent the software. I mean, people, is, mm-hmm. people are smart, they can figure out how to get around these things. Yeah. They'll put their energy, their creativity, and uh, their motivation to not being spied on anymore instead of towards the actual work, and I think that when you manage remotely, you have to evaluate whether people are doing well or not based on their goals. You know, are they meeting their goals, not what you think they're doing at 10am or at noon?
0: Yeah. And I think that's key is that I think we, I think we need to get past the point of that the person is just clocking in from nine to half five and actually, Mm -hmm. well, this is the goal and they've achieved it. So it's the, it's not, the, it's, it's the productivity part of it, rather, it's the outcome, not not that mm-hmm. they've just clocked in. And, from and it to has half to be outcome oriented, absolutely. They, yeah. You just can't stare at people all day. It's not possible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think as, as well, you know, it, what kind of, com- you have to think about what kind of company you want to build. And I think the future where we need to get to is that we're focusing on the goal and the productivity rather than that somebody's just clocked in from nine to half five, personally. Absolutely. Remote working has been a topic that we we've, we've spoken about a lot and and especially I suppose because we had been remote working for so long a lot of our, our clients have kind of come to us like, how do you guys do it or what you know what are you doing mm. and it was something that so we we've, we've, we've always done certainly we've never been hundred percent remote and I would definitely agree with you that I, I miss a cup of, having a cup of coffee face to face with somebody or having a chat with two or three people recently read an article in the Harvard Business Review about kind of how the pandemic is going to affect the economy and the industry going forward. And one of the things was that um, the role of HR is going to change in a company. And what is the future work going to look like in the next four to five years? This is a huge loaded question for you. It, is. it sure is. <laughs>
1: Well, I loved that piece. It was so futuristic in some of the jobs that they came up with. Uh genetic you know, genetic counseling and HR and all kinds of very interesting, you know, automation to human <laughs> coordinator and these fantastic roles. So I I love this question actually because it goes back to do you remember, you know, last year when we talked about the future of work, when that came mm-hmm. up, people didn't mean remote work. Now people no, they mean. Really AI. talking That's what it they meant talking AI, about. right, the future <laughs> of work, we were talking about AI. Yeah. And it's something that I'm actually writing a piece about this currently, that we sort of shouldn't forget about AI, you know, about AI. <laughs> All of the AI companies, of course, are not forgetting about themselves. and. I'll tell you, I work with investors through another company of mine, Venture Foragers. It's a venture capital research firm. Mm-hmm. Investors certainly are not forgetting about AI. So, so that's really a question of automation, I think. And I've always felt that it could go one of two directions. It could go the really kind of concerning, terrible um, Blade Runner, the matrix direction <laughs> that we don't want it to go in. Or it could go in a really beautiful like Star Trek direction. I know five years is not hundred years. But so when it comes to automation, I think that we could either have our worst fears come true, which is that there's a scarcity of jobs because so many things are being automated and then people are competing for what's left. And so to be competitive, you have to be doing these terrible hours and, you know, it could depress income and wages and and pay. I mean, there's some some serious concerns on that front. And speaks a lot to what I care about and what I'm working on right now, you cannot replace human connection between a person and another person. You cannot replace it. And human beings cannot do without it. So the future that I would like to see instead of this, you know, sort of terrible, everything's automated. And a, a, something we could see in the next five years, because we already see it in Amazon warehouses is, um, having a computer as your boss, basically, is having an algorithm have the power to fire you based on your observed work performance. I mean, some really kind of ugly things that people innately find unfair and, and, and inhumane. Um, What I would like to see happen instead is if we could really leverage automation to increase productivity by getting rid of all of the boring, repetitive stuff that people don't want to do. And that's my favorite use case for automation across the board, across industries that I've seen. Just the stuff I don't like doing, you know, fix Mm -hmm. that with AI. And then let people focus on what people can never be replaced in and what we find most fulfilling. I mean, research on happiness and fulfillment, which is connecting with other people. I think that, You know all of these kind of jobs that that HBS was predicting they have this element of human beings seeing and understanding and taking care of other human beings in the context of these tools and and using these tools and you can't you can't replace a person for that and we shouldn't so I would love to see a future where most of our jobs involve that kind of interpersonal aspect and maybe we all have shorter work days because we're getting more done, because we've automated some of the, the time productivity, exactly. Parts, yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, there's no reason we shouldn't see a three- or four-day work week. There's no reason we shouldn't see shorter work days, because the the economic prosperity that we can create by leveraging these efficiencies of, I'm sorry, that sounded so Warton-MBA, I'm sorry, <laughs> by leveraging but you know what I'm saying, you know, by making <laughs> things faster and easier, yeah. um, and so then we can let, benefit from it, you know. That's absolutely, the, that's the yeah. Thing, and then yeah. let people focus on taking care of each other as humans, um, yes. in their roles, whether that's in an HR capacity, a managerial capacity, maybe customer success. I mean, some of these things that I think it's so lovely to have that human touch. Yeah, I mean, even I, I think
0: the 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 differences for me in the last couple of months of of being at home full time. So I, I have three small kids. Is that that we certainly have taken a step back in that, um, usually, you know, I'd be racing to work and then I'm racing home mm-hmm, to pick mm-hmm. a child up, to bring them to some after school thing that they're doing you know? <laughs> So <it's> five <laughs> days a week. And then I've got to race home to finish the work that I had. I didn't get, you know, that I had to leave early because I had to them. So, and your whole day is racing so fast. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I do hope one of the things maybe that, that, that we've gotten from, from the, from the pandemic is that we don't have to be racing so much, you know, that we can be a little bit, you know, we can be a little bit calmer sometimes. (laughs) I would love to
1: see that. (laughs) And I think the flexibility too. Exactly, totally agree. I think that's the number one thing. So we looked at, do people like working from home is a question that I ask myself that I get because we have, data that people are lonely, anxious, burned out, Mm -hmm. and then we have data that they want to keep doing it. And that was very interesting for me to look at, okay, there's something in this that makes it worth it, the the downsides that they dislike and that I hope that order in, we can help to solve. But people still want to do it, and it's for the flexibility. I think work could absolutely look like something you do on your own schedule when it works for you. It doesn't matter to your colleagues because they're in Ireland in San Francisco, but they don't
0: care. I'm asleep. You're doing. <laughs> whatever you want, but it has. To, but I, I definitely think that um, there's a lot of challenges when you're working from home. But, but you kind of need to embrace them and figure them out how you're going to do that. And and companies have to be flexible for you to do that. I think is the key. So thank you so much, JJ. I really hope that people have got a lot lot from this today. I certainly have, and I really enjoyed chatting to you. If people want to get in contact with you, what is the best
1: way? Well, thank you. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter at JJ Caffey and order in. You can find out more about us at orderinclub.com or order in club on any social media. If anybody wants to
0: get in contact with JJ, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and uh, thank you so much. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon, JJ.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.